And then the parent just go, ah, what can I do? What you can do? How about you clean up after your little shit? Hello and welcome to episode number 39 of the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where Christmas season is coming and Santa better have a bulletproof vest. And from America's left coast where we finally made it through the gray and dreary November out here and are moving on to the gray and dreary December. I'm Ryan Pemrose. You have a lot of seasons out there on the left coast. Uh, really what we have is summer and the rainy season. Summer is usually a couple weeks. So two weeks of summer and then the rest, the rainy season. Yeah. And you live there. Why? Because we have the rainy season. Oh, well, you can grow stuff. I keep hoping that the weather will someday become bad enough to scare away the fucking Californians who keep moving here, but they do it. They, I I think that they just are, are unprepared because they come, they don't stop moving here they just come out here and bitch about the weather they're still coming in droves too yeah like like the story of the the california came up here and and saw a little kid on the street and says uh you know hey kid does the sun ever come out here and the kid says how should i know i'm only six <laughs> see we have sun in Chirac. we just have other problems like politicians taxes yeah, well, violence rains bullets right <laughs> Well, yeah, and you do. You need a different type of umbrella for that. There's no yes. doubt about it. Kev- Kevlar umbrellas. Is that a thing? I think so. I mean, here they probably are. I wouldn't doubt it. It's, it's the ones. Maybe that's a great Christmas gift for people in Chicago. Kevlar umbrella. And whether it starts raining, uh, water, va- water, water droplets or bullets, a Kevlar umbrella for everybody would be great. No, no, can- no if, if because Kevlar is heavy, what you need is actually it'll be like a, a Kevlar mesh like a, a screen so that it stops the bullets, but lets the rain go right through. But that wouldn't work in your area. Then that would be, that would be a lot less useful. You just wear bulletproof vests here. It'll work. It's not actually, a problem. it, it kind of would, uh, it, you know, fun fact about, uh, the Seattle rain is that it's outside of the times when it's storming, which we do get this time of year. Um, the, the rain that we usually get is not the kind of rain that most people get. Like, uh, you know, places like Houston or Miami will get just as much rain year, year, like yearly precipitation as Seattle, but they get it all between four and four fifteen PM where like I've, I've been, I've been in Houston during the, the afternoon thunder shower where it is bright and sunny and dry and beautiful. And then 4 PM on the dot. And the sky opens up. And if you're outside, you're going to be bludgeoned to death by the force of the falling rain. And then 10, 15 minutes later, it just stops. And then you have a period of about an hour where all of that water is turning into humidity and everybody is sweating to death. And then it's beautiful and sunny the rest of the day. That's not how it works around here. Around here, we just have light drizzle, just enough to wet your hair and dampen your clothes 24 7 just enough it, to annoy you it's no actually i love it 
I'm a freak though. So in lieu of a shower, you could just walk outside anytime. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's very light and refreshing and it's just enough. Like everything outside becomes damp and then grows mold. Also, it's not warm. You know, when I was in Houston, the thunderstorm came by, it was 75 degrees and heavy rain. Whereas around here, if I went outside, it'd be like 37 and light rain. Well, and it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. I mean, I have the live video feed from your house and I noticed that the post office worker had had your Amazon box and used a rubber band to put it onto your, (laughs) onto your mailbox. You you heard that. Did you? Yeah, I saw that. That was, I thought that was kind of interesting, especially if it's always a light rain. I mean, how long do Amazon boxes last in the rain? Well, around here, they, um, I'm not sure what kind of biodegradable cardboard they use, but it doesn't biodegrade in the rain. Uh, Amazon boxes are surprisingly waterproof around here. You know, that would be an interesting question if they're using different stuff for different areas, depending on the amount of rainfall you get and how much the humidity. It would make as, sense. As as the person whose job it is to break down the Amazon boxes to put them in the recycle bin, all I can say is they are using some industrial level materials for those things. Well, they're perfect for the homeless then. Uh, you know, some people get out, you know how they, there's the little box knife with the blade that slides out. That works for normal cardboard. No. I'm getting out the splitting mall and chainsaw. <laughs> well, give those boxes to those experiencing homelessness, which is also usually experiencing a lack of wealth, a lack of money. And that was kind of the topic we wanted to talk about for a few different things today, which is wealth, cash. I mean, Christmas season's coming up, gift giving, how much you want to put into that, how much you have to spend for all your family and friends. Of course, I just did an episode on that on random thoughts. So I always then want the I do a random thoughts and it's kind of it is kind of the grumpy old bands without Ryan Bemrose. But then there's things I'm like, well, I'd like your opinion on. So I bring up the same topics. So people do have that ability to kind of get a non Bemrose grumpy old bends by going to random thoughts, R-E-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. Isn't it a bit early in the show to be doing that native ad? Not really. It's okay. It's always good to get it in early and often, you know, like, uh, Adam Curry was talking about no agenda. You got to get the things that people want to hear. You want to get them in early in the show in case they jump off. So you get it in early. You get it in, in that yeah, way. But they also cost people to jump off. I mean, do we want to drive them away before we've had our, our first donation segment? I mean, if they're going to random thoughts instead of this show, I'm fine with it. I'm not. I don't get that money. <laughs> That's sweet, sweet cash. Um, but, <laughs> This was, was kind of brought again, a couple different things kind of happen. And one of those, which I put posted in the no agenda troll room, where we're always, when we do the shows live, that's where you can interact with us. No agenda stream.com. And I posted this when I got back from lunch the other day, and I did a little bit of research and found, I know research that as of 2013, if I remember correctly, it is legal in most States, California, not one of those, not surprising. But it's legal in most states, except I think eight or nine, for merchants to charge extra if you use a credit card to make your purchase rather than paying with that sweet, sweet cash or writing a check if they accept that. And I thought this was interesting because this is the first time I've seen this in a restaurant. It's one we go to all the time. They had signs posted in multiple places. And then, of course, on the receipt, it shows that if you know, here's your, here's your bill. 
here's your total. And if you're going to use a credit card, we're going to add 3% to that. And I get it to a certain extent because I understand how credit cards work when well, because the credit cards are charging them 3% off the purchase pretty much. And that's like given that the credit card companies, there's basically two of them in the whole country and they're, I mean, they're not a monopoly because there's two of them, but they're a cabal, which behaves like a monopoly because when one does something, the other does it too. So monopoly controlling all in transactions in the entire economy, they're a government. And JC Jr., you're pointing out that the Visa and MasterCard, all those credit card companies used to have it in their merchant agreement, and they may still try to, that you can't do this. You can't charge extra. But this is, as of 2013, the laws have changed and went against the credit card companies and said that businesses can, besides charging you an extra percentage, which they did cap out, I think, at 4%, besides that, you can also enforce a minimum purchase which makes sense i mean i go into our local comic book shop here they have comics that are a quarter you know i mean technically i can understand why if i take that comic book up to the front slap that down and pull out my mastercard i know to process 25 cents is going to cost them more than 25 cents because there's usually beyond the percentage which is normally between two and three percent there's also a transaction charge which could be anything i think now about 25 cents is average somewhere in that 15 to 25 cents is average so making a very small purchase i understand why companies would go under because then i would just keep going up with one comic book at a time so the the idea that companies i i guess i guess it's been legal for basically most of my life here um the idea that companies would charge more depending on your payment method uh, is is not new around here. I can think of it. It's happened since I went, you know, since I was a kid where the uh, a company, uh, you know, especially if it's like a corner store that's owned by a mom and pop or something, they'll actually have a sign says, you know, credit card add 3% or whatever. And, right. and you just got used to it. But in a rare triumph of free market uh it turns out people don't actually like being charged extra based on their method of payment and a lot of stores will get grief for charging that extra money and it's one of the like uh the chain of gas stations around here um arco i don't know if that's national or not yes uh they for a long time in washington they were charging an extra five percent for any credit card transactions and they were pushing you should pay cash and people got so angry with them that there was a protest in somewhere in western washington i didn't look this up because you might do research but i'm against it (laughs) and the these they ended up protesting it. And somewhere along the line, Arco decided the the local Washington versions of them, like, okay, fine. You know what? Everybody using a credit card will just charge you the same, which really when, when they do something like that, what it means is we're just going to go ahead and add 3% to everyone using cash as well. Right. And then change the sign so that, that it's 3% more for everyone. And people are happier with that for some very weird reason, because I do get both ends of this argument 
where it is mentally a different thing for people. And I know we talked about before the the concept of free being something that people really go nuts for, even if you're getting like a penny for free, that there's a big difference between I'm getting my bill, knowing if I'm paying by credit card, it's going to be an extra 3%. That seems like a really different thing than them raising every price by a 3%. And when you get the bill and go, hey, I'm going to pay cash. Hey, I'm going to get a, we'll give you a 3% discount. I mean, it's the same thing, but there is a, there's mentally, there's something completely different because the being charged extra rather than having money be taken off. Yeah. Is a if, is a really different being in your brain. See, I think that that they would have been able to avoid all of those protests if they just increased the number on the sign by a dime and then said, you know, three percent discount for cash, because right. they, you know they could get away with. Well, the problem is, of course, uh, competition. If if your prices are ten cents a gallon more than any other gas station nearby. Uh, people are going to go to the other gas station and and then people realize that is you know when when you're cruising down and you're like i'm running on fumes here and the needle is below the e uh let's see here's a gas station right here but have you, have you ever done this there's a gas station right here but let's go another mile and see if there's a place with a slightly lower price well now you have gas buddy or these other apps on your cell phones that can tell you where the cheapest gas is at any particular time yeah. and people will go. So yeah, I understand so we, the we've turned into the Chinese yeah. economy. Best price, best price. When yes, quality is out the door services yeah. out the door. And that may be JC junior, the way it is in Canada, but stores are now allowed to advertise a difference between cash and credit here, at least in most of the 50 states. Yeah. I think it's 41. They, they've been allowed to do that in, in Washington for as long as I've known. I, I never realized there was ever a prohibition against it, I guess. And he's talking about secret shopping and everything. And that when I work back in the retail world, yes, I know they did that. That was a thing. The laws have changed, at least in the United States, as of 2013, that you can charge people more for using a credit card. And that seems like the fair thing to do. It's just a question of whether, you know, letting a merchant decide what they want to charge is fair. Um, but you have to understand as a merchant, it depends what that change is going to do to your business and you start after asking yourself questions like well is adding three dollars to every hundred on a bill at a restaurant really worth it if you're going to piss off your customers because usually my wife and i go in there and it's a normal you know american place where you got burgers and you got sandwiches and that nothing you know really fancy and usually you end up spending somewhere in the 20 to 30 dollar range so it's like is it really worth adding that dollar you know, one more dollar to the bill as a surcharge at the bottom. And I really feel bad for the servers at this restaurant or any place that is changing to something like this, because they're the ones that have to now deal with the ire of a customer who are like, well, my bill's $30. Why are you charging a dollar for me to use a credit card? Like you said, I would think just raising the prices would be smarter, but well, I, th- I think aside from, from it being a little bit weird and abnormal that people you know, they, oh, why, why are my, tra- like th- people resist change. That's why nobody carries cash, especially smaller than a dollar because people resist change. <laughs> you like that? Um, He'll be here all week. People don't folks. like change. Yeah. I'll, I'll be here all week. Even if you all leave, I'll still be here. Please. Tip your waiters. Don't tip your cows. <laughs> um, 
uh, putting aside that that people are resistant to change and this is different and this is weird and therefore it's worth complaining about i a lot of restaurants are not a, a very good example of of this for the simple reason when when you choose a restaurant um do you choose a restaurant based solely on how much they charge for a meal can't say i ever have most people don't the people who do go to mcdonald's or or or, uh, i actually i don't even know if mcdonald's is still cheap i think some of them still have dollar menus but where it used to be like a full-size hamburger for a buck you know i think they give you now what's kind of like a white castle slider and they're like oh that's a cheeseburger yeah sure it is yeah yeah here here yep cheeseburger okay it's it's smaller than the coins that you use to pay for it (laughs) but it's a burger yeah it's, it's helping the obesity epidemic well, yeah, except for the part where anybody who's hungry ends up eating 12 of them. <laughs> right. But, you know, you're only supposed to eat one. That's but, not their fault. But if you are, if you're selling a commodity like gasoline and you have to raise your price by three cents, then especially in an era where everybody has the this gas app that tells you, you know, you you could spend, you know, a buck fifty three here per what pint <laughs> but Leader. if you go <laughs> you but if you go down the street you could you know get it for three cents cheaper uh, and everybody knows this then you'll see your you'll see your business dry up and so it's actually really hard if if a cost happens to go ahead and raise the prices on a commodity like gasoline unless you have some reason like for example uh i always when when we fill up our car uh the car has a supercharger and the gasoline engine uh it runs far far better on gas with detergent in it and gas with a lower alcohol content and for that reason we don't get the cheapest gas out here we go to the local chevron which actually has uh you know much better stuff we also put in the higher octane stuff so we are charging or we are paying a massive premium for gas for well, my almost 20 year old car because frankly, I want it to make it to 21 and 22. But most people don't think about it that way. They're like, oh, it's a gasoline engine. It'll just take any gas. I can, you know, I can drink some gasoline and pee in the tank and make, get my, make my miles go farther. I don't and, think that works. You well, can try it. I, if you do try it, make sure that you pee in somebody else's tank, preferably somebody who's parked illegally. The interesting but, thing with that stuff, when it comes to price, when, when the gas prices were super high back, you know, in the Obama era, this, the, uh, the, the gas that you see, usually it's the pumps are yellow. So rather than the normal gasoline, they is, are, is that, is that because somebody tried the, the peeing thing? It might yeah. be, but they're the ones that are like, what more ethanol. It's a much higher ethanol content. They call it like an e-fuel or something like that. And the, the Chevy that my wife drives takes this stuff. And it was always a cheaper choice than the normal gas. But you really have to be able to do the math in your head because it's an interesting thing. Like you said, if people are just looking for price per gallon, this e-fuel is always cheaper. But when it comes down to the cars will run absolutely fine on it. But after doing a little research again, I know. I can't believe I do research at all, but after doing a little research on this stuff, it is about 12%, if I'm remembering right, somewhere in that area, 12, 15% less efficient 
than normal gasoline. So if you're paying the same amount, you're actually getting way less with this new, you know, less gasoline fuel. But they would be that this fuel would be priced just slightly less per gallon. And I can only assume people were lapping that up if their car took it, thinking they were getting a bargain, but not when the gas is best price. Right. You're getting 12% less mileage per gallon. And people don't, you can't do that math. It's very hard. Well, it's Most it's because the, the price per gallon, and in particular, the total amount of money that you give out is calculated for you right there at the pump. It's very obvious. It's very easy to recognize. And a phenomenon that I realized, uh, actually, I realized at Microsoft a long time ago where the, that company is, is rife with this problem is uh, something that is easy to measure is automatically considered to be more important than something that is hard to measure like fuel efficiency or customer satisfaction. It's one of the reasons why a lot of short-sighted companies will go out and, uh, you know, do something. Uh, what does Dvorak call it? The, the olive theory. They will go out and do something to cut costs and because they can, the bean counters have a very good handle on what that cost is, but nobody has a good handle on customer loyalty, customer happiness, because it's hard to measure. And at, at Microsoft, uh, what I realized was if, if something is hard to measure, it's clearly not important, which uh, that was you know one of many arguments that I lost against management o- over there. But the same principle applies to people who are getting gas. They're like, well, uh, it's hard to measure whether or not this improves my fuel economy, but I'm paying four cents per gallon less. So we'll definitely get the cheaper stuff. One price matching has become such a thing now for larger items. I don't know anybody that would go out, you know, buy something like a new laptop, buy something like a new camera, you know, cell phones are odd because they're all subsidized and everybody pretty much charges the same price. But this whole internet thing, you know, you go to Amazon, you can't assume they have the lowest price because there's a lot of times that they don't. And there are apps, there are uh, plugins, there are all sorts of different websites that let you go in and put what you're looking for into it. And you get a list of prices. So I'm looking for, you know, XYZ laptop. You plug the model number in and it's you'll get a list. Well, here's what it is at Amazon. Here's what it is at Best Buy. Here's what it is at Target. Here's what it is at Walmart. So it makes it very hard for companies to be charging much more, if anything, than their competition, because most people are going to order this for shipping. And, you know, we can talk about the free shipping and all that again, but I think that's already a dead horse that's been kind of beat in. But the one place like you're saying with restaurants, most people don't go, hey, let me go check the price of the burgers at this place as opposed to the burgers at this other place. And that's going to make our mind up on which restaurant we're going to go into. Grocery stores are pretty much the same way. And it's really an interesting thing when you look at the difference in prices for the exact same thing. I mean, we have so many grocery stores within like five minutes here. I mean, there's probably five or six. And some, you know, they'll run sales on things. And if you don't know, I mean, you could easily way overspend on some things because it's convenient. You're there already. You're buying. And do you really want to go to five different grocery stores to get the best price on everything? Most people don't. Yeah. But our, our nearest grocery store around here. And by the way, the, the way that people choose, the vast majority of people choose a grocery store is what's closest to you, which is why there's so many of them. 
the nearest grocery store here is a, is a QFC. I don't know if you have that there, but it's, it's kind of a, it's a Kroger brand and they, they, they call it quality food and, and whether or not you consider it to be quality, they, they definitely, uh, affect themselves as a higher end and it shows up in their prices. They're not quite Trader Joe's, but, uh, they charge a lot more and it is worth it to go the extra mile down the road for the, to the Safeway for most of the commodity type items. Now, you might want to go to the better place for their deli or for their produce. But if you are getting, uh, it, you know, like bottled beer, which is, is something that's very important to me, uh, the, the same bottling plant is bottling it and sending it to both places. And right. so why is that, you know, why is that beer 1399 for a 12 pack at this store and 1499 at this store? Well, it's because, they have higher prices. And so when you drink as much beer as I do, then, you know, that really adds up. The, the one, the one thing though, that, that QFC definitely has is uh, they have a whole lot better alcohol selection. And again, you'll pay for that because you're getting things maybe you can't yeah. get elsewhere. And the things that, again, supply and demand for, if there's only one place in your town where you can get the beer that you like, you're going to spend more because that's the only place you can get it. They have you by the short hairs. They can charge you whatever they want because they know they're the only ones that have the stuff when well, everybody has when, it. When I'm getting a beer that I like, what I actually do is I take my empty growlers down to the brewery and let them fill them up. Oh, yeah. Nice and it's, easy. Fresh. It's generally not very. It, it's generally not nearly as cheap as as buying them by the. I don't understand. Why are growler fill ups so damned expensive? You might not know this. I don't know if you you've ever seen a microbrewery before. Sure. I don't understand. Like, uh, so a growler is five and two thirds cans. So it's not even quite a six pack. It's close. Right. Uh, your but, container, but your container, they're not spending money on a container. They are giving you less than a six pack, but a six pack is a six pack of cheap shit is $6, $7. A, a six pack of really good stuff might be up to 10. And then you go into one of these breweries and they're like, yep, $16. Like what are you, you're pour, you're literally pouring it out of a tap. The only cost to you is the bartender. And that's because you get cranky when I go behind the bar. <laughs> you don't work there, sir. Memrose. I go. Yeah, but I know how to use a tap. Trust me. I was in a fraternity. I am very versed in how beer taps work. You so pull them. I, back. I don't, I don't quite understand why growler fills are so damned expensive, but you know what? It's microbrew. And again, quality. And when when you can have a a fresh IPA right off the tap, uh, there there's no comparison between that and some kind of cheap American Anheuser Busch piss water. Well, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for the freshness. You're paying for the fact that no yeah, matter my, what these companies my, my try, when though, they go into bottles and they get into trucks and they get moved around, you lose a little something. My, my rant though is that it costs them way more money to put it into bottles, put it on a truck, ship it to a store, and yet the store charges less for the same amount of beer, even when it is exactly the same type of beer. Now, the place, the growlers are worth it for like the seasonals and stuff that'll never get bottled because then you have to go to the tap room. But I, I'm I really, I'm just complaining for no reason here. Well, that, that is the, the gist of the grumpy old band's experience. 
if Sir Pemrose isn't ranting, the show is probably ending. That's our that's our motto here. But I'm, I'm always yeah, you, you've had I, times when you've cut off the end of the show. I'm still going, but yeah, I, I get it. Just don't shut up. He's got it. We can only go for eight hours. We, the drive's getting filled. <laughs> but I, we ran it. There was like a wine that I think it was a Moscato that we bought to bring to Thanksgiving. And it was, I think, two ninety nine after rebate, and it wasn't a seven hundred and fifty milliliter. It was, it was the uh, one point five liter. And I'm like, one point five liters of wine for three bucks. Like, it, it, and again, that's, a big glass bottle. Like, what does it actually cost to produce this stuff? I that that's <laughs> that's still pretty low. Yes, I'm, no, I, I, I mean, I'm like, we're we're not quite in in a you know 40 ounce for two dollars category but still it's kind of you seem yeah it's the uh what do you call it like the boone's farm the the only the yeah. worst will the do two buck chuck yeah pretty much but yeah, i mean a lot of people we talked about this a little bit in the retail segment which was the last show which people really seem to enjoy hearing the horror stories of working retail because i guess maybe a lot of people haven't worked retail and yes i'm a masochist i think everybody should work retail you know, wait people there are people who haven't worked retail yeah, I know. I'm jealous. What's wrong with them? I mean, what did I, you do in your I, youth? It's not. It's not wrong. They've clearly lived privileged lives. Obviously, check your privilege, man. Go work retail. Go yeah. have fun. Okay, Get I checked my privilege. Job. Yep, still there. <laughs> and there's, you know, it's the whole concept of a loss leader, which is why grocery stores have the, you know, the things they put in their ad. Just like when the guy got mad at me at Circuit City for selling the the uh, pioneer sony tape deck whatever it was because it was in the ad they weren't making money they put the stuff in the ad to get you in the door and hope that everything else you buy is going to cost more and it's all going to equal out i mean that was the only reason circuit city and best buy back in the day sold music at all which is why you'll see now best buy was like we don't we can't do this anymore there's really the music and movie selection at these stores have gone to nothing because they don't make any money on them so last week you you mentioned uh, there was a trick that that a lot of stores had started using that I'd never heard of at the time, but I actually ran into this week. We were we were in our local uh, Best Buy uh, down at at the Dying Mall, and they we went in for some kind of electronic gizmo to uh, to gift to uh, family because you know you have to buy Christmas gifts this time of year. It's if if you don't you're jerk so i'm told right i don't believe it but my wife seems to think that being socially acceptable is a priority check out the latest random thoughts for much more information about (laughs) gift giving but we went in there for for a gizmo and uh the you know we see this and of course you know the first thing that happens is i get sticker shock and i'm looking this thing up and i'm like well here it is uh you know of course we went pulled out the phone went to amazon like any you know good mercenary consumer does and I'm like, okay, here is this same product for like $25 cheaper here and said, you know, do you match with that? And they said, no, no, look, you know, this one is the 2007 G right. and, and the product here on Amazon is the 2007 GA. I'm like, what's the difference? Well, they're different numbers. They're different products. We can't match it. What? It's- genius right you're like well what's the difference well you see this one is a cobalt gray and this one is a charcoal gray they're totally different they, items and they both look green to me 
<laughs> well, yeah. See, they're they're taking advantage of your color blindness. I would I would probably go to the ACLU and file a complaint with that. But yes, that is something that is very common when it comes to this stuff, which is the model numbers are slightly different. The Keurig stuff, we noticed that when we were buying one of those evil pots way back when that, you know, the Costco had one that was only theirs. Best Buy had one that I mean there was it's this concept to keep the retailers happy because it keeps people from being able to shop exactly one-to-one, even though if the features are stupidly different, you know, stuff that you would never, ever care about, but that is just the, it's the way it works because that's the way retailers want it. And you're like, well, then I'll just order this one from Amazon. And the people, of course, at Best Buy are like, I don't care. They'll let you walk. That's just the way retail works. Except for the one greeter at the door who, like anybody who walks out without a receipt in their hand, latches on like a remora. Hey, you know, did you did you happen to see the the compact discs over here? Like, yeah, but it's not 2003 anymore. Or, you know, did 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 your shopping experience go? okay? is there anything else that we can get for you? I'm like, yeah, you can get out of my way so I can leave the store. They're just trying to be friendly to you. It's the Christmas time. They want to be your which, buddy, which is at least better than the greeters at, at you know, Costco was the first place that I encountered this. And, you know, if you've listened to Grumpy Old Men's, you know, how I feel about Costco. But I ran into this shit at Walmart that the place where, you know, the there's a dude standing out there and and they look like a greeter and they smile and they say hello and they'll wave until somebody decides to try to leave the store with a product. And then they're a fucking security guard. I'm like. No, I paid for this. They, you, you want to know? Yeah, you want to know that I paid for it? Go over there, check your till. I'm, yeah. And of course, I'm usually shopping with somebody who is a rule follower and decides that she absolutely has to make. Well, okay. I mean, the real thing is if if I do what I want to do, which is walk by, wave, smile. Maybe say goodbye, you know, have a nice day, that sort of thing, and just keep walking and ignore them because screw that. I do not need my integrity questioned by somebody trying to prove that I apparently if if they let somebody get by, like if if I do a, you know, a sprint tackle maneuver with a quick stiff arm off to the side, they get punished by their overlords because they didn't accost everybody who came out of the store. My wife doesn't want people to be accosted in their jobs because. So she will make sure that That we stop every single time. Every time one of them is getting paid to invade my privacy for things that I've already purchased, she will stop and make sure that they can check and, and verify everything. And I've gotten to the point where I'll uh, like, I'll just keep walking. (laughs) Just pretend you don't understand the language. It's fine. No, I do understand. And sometimes I throw elbows. Third John Fletcher of the Hog Story podcast, hogstory.net, worked one day of retail at PacSun when he was 16 years old. I'm expecting a story about that in the next Hog Story podcast. If you only work one day of retail, usually something fun happened. <laughs> yeah. You've never worked if, it after if, that. If you didn't work a second day, then something interesting was going on, and I want to hear about it. Yes. Something interesting was definitely going on. The, with the grocery stores, the one thing I'm noticing now. And this is something everybody else, I want I, I want reports, boots on the ground with this, uh, because our Meyer is starting to relocate where things are in the store. And it didn't seem to make sense at first. And my wife came up with the logical solution was 
all of these, because every time we're in there now, we see these people that are the, the uh, thing they call it here is ship, you know, of course, S H I P T or something for the home delivery stuff. Uh, S H I what? P T. So ship, you know, of course, without a. Oh, oh, I missed the P in there. I'm sorry. Go on. That's okay. It's about, it's about the same thing. I'm sure. But actually I hear it's a good service. I've never used it. Now, if it was like three feet of snow and I needed a loaf of bread, I would probably be the jerk that would go online and be like, bring it to me. <laughs> oh, you want a tip? Get a better job, dude. But the concept has always been when it came to grocery stores there, this was a well thought out thing. Do you ever notice when you just need like a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk? They're like the furthest thing from the front door. When you walk into a store, that's done for a reason because they want you to go by every, by everything else. They want you to be tempted by more, keep you in the store longer. Well, now if you're starting to sell a shipping service to bring your food to you, your groceries to you at, in a very quick manner, now you kind of have to, you're screwing your own employees now because the time that you can get these things together is taking longer than they should because you originally put your store layout together, not to be convenient to your shoppers, but to make them spend as much time as they possibly could in the store. So now that they want quick deliveries, you can only imagine that that may change a little bit. So that's something I want to know if people see this kind of stuff changing. Well, yeah, the bakery's right there, JC Jr., but they don't know. How does everybody know what you want? Something's got to be in the front and the bakery makes sense because that smells good, especially if it's fresh baked stuff. They want you to walk in the door and not be instantaneously repulsed. So well, that's a plus. People people know what you want because it's marketing and therefore what you want is what they tell you that you need to want. Right. Is that how marketing mm, works? I think so. I, mm, what, you know, it's like, like with the Cinnabon, you know, you walk through the mall and how do the people at Cinnabon know that when you walk in that you want a cinnamon roll? Well, okay. In that case it's because if you walked in there, the only thing they sell, but like if you go to the bakery in nine times out of 10, the person walking into the bakery is going to be wanting uh, a cake. If you have a cake up there or, you smell it like halfway across the mall. They, they have to have some kind of big ass fans just pushing that scent I, out. I, they, they actually do. They, they're usually mounted on the ceiling behind the uh, above the people working there. So that kind of marketing works. And uh, so, yeah, the retail stores are changing due to the fact that shipping is becoming a thing. Home delivery is becoming a thing because people don't want to leave their house. And they're the concept of being out in public. And the concept of interacting with people, we talked about that in one of the latest random thoughts as well, too, with, and I think a grumpy old Ben's talking about how millennials just don't want to have any kind of confrontation, which is interesting when you start doing things like going to a restaurant. Is it, are they adding this? The the reason I prefer to stay home is precisely because when I go out, I'm going to have confrontations. Right. Well, you have confrontations no matter what. Even if you stay home, there's confrontation. Yeah. Somebody invites me to talk on the podcast. I'm going to get all confrontational. It is. But I'm wondering, is this? What do you mean, hello? I mean, maybe the majority of people that you know they figure all these millennials coming into the restaurant are going to go, oh, a three percent surcharge. Okay, I'm not going to make I'm not going to make waves. Somebody needs to do like a hidden camera thing and be like, well, it's a fifty percent surcharge to millennials, and see if they're just like, "Uh, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Well, uh, given that it's it it it's perfectly okay 
to be ageist in your intersectionalism. I mean, you can't you can't possibly discriminate against somebody based on skin color or sexual preference or which of the 37 genders or anything like that. But you can totally discriminate against people based on their age. And this is an important loophole because the millennials are the ones making these intersectional rules and they need to be able to discriminate against boomers. So I like, I approve of this experiment. You'd be like, yep. Okay. uh, You look like you are under 35. And so for you, it's going to be 3750. But, but the person ahead of me only paid 12. Yeah. He has wrinkles on his face. Right. He's done his time. And I was, I was interested once we saw this, and this was just a couple of days ago that we were in the restaurant and saw this new surcharge and we're in there at least once a week. So this was something that is brand new. And I went, of course, first place to go check was Yelp. And there was already a three-star review, which was like, hey, server was great. Food was great. But there was a 3% surcharge. And the thing that really review on these sites, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe Yelp is different. But on on these sites, anywhere that they ask you for a five-star review, it's really asking you for a Boolean. You, You either gave five stars or it was total shit and you hate it and it would never be you know, it would never consider it again. You know, they spat in my food and there were rats walking across the plate. Four stars. <laughs> no, it, uh, usually it's a five star or a one star in a lot of these. Well, Mo- yeah. most people don't have the intelligence or the uh, the minute. Don't, don't go into the minutia enough because it's, it's a triggering thing. I, it really is. What, what you're looking is. for is critical thinking skills, the ability right. to evaluate different and, you know, based on different criteria. And I think they're, a lot of people really, are like that. There really did my amygdala get bigger or smaller when I encountered this situation. Those are really the only question people can answer. Right. It is. It's really an on and off thing where they either loved it or they hated it. There's it's getting weirder because most people don't seem to have just a regular average experience or they don't know what that is anymore. But the thing that made me laugh was that the woman, well, according to her name, I mean, I don't want to misgender anybody that wrote this. Okay, that wrote this three-star review was like, I've been hearing from people how great this place is. So I finally went in with a group of, you know, four of us. And well, all of the checks had this 3% and mine, they were all over $12. So I'm like, oh, you were the asshole that had a table of four and asked for four separate checks. You're why they're doing the things like adding a surcharge because. And and for the, for the more mathematically. For the more mathematically literate of us, if if I went in there and I did not agree or did not approve of the additional three percent charge or whatever, I, I I would have no problem. You know, okay, I'm I'm generally a pretty generous person uh, when it comes to like any restaurant where I frequent. I will usually push between twenty and twenty five percent, and the reason that there's a range is to make it so that. To, to to try to round it up to the nearest ten dollars because of course I pay cash and if I don't have to count change then I'm not you know right and the uh, math is lot. easier yeah and so you know if if they're like yeah it's it's you know forty one sixty or something like that I'll be like okay well here's you know here's sixty dollars here's fifty dollars if it was bad because it it rounds it up but however if if I were in a position where I was actually being cranky and upset about this 3% surcharge, then instead of 20%, I would take the time to calculate precisely 17% and 
and be like, here, there's there, you know, the, the tip is lower. And, and maybe if I was being a total dick, which I mean, that's kind of what I do. I might tell them, yeah, your, your tip would calculate both ways and be like, well, your tip would have been this, but there's a 3% surcharge. So your tip is this so that the cost washes out and is even for me. To which the server says, but I hate this whole concept too. I think it's stupid. Of course they do. And, and it's generally not their fault. Right. They're not the ones making We, we the live decision. in a society where restaurants don't pay service employees what they're worth. And instead they're required to supplement their income by with begging. And I'm intrigued because there are ways, I guess, to get around this. And it depends also that if you have a diner that actually pays attention to their bill rather than just kind of looking at it, looking at the final number and throwing their credit card down or throwing the cash out there because the servers do have a bit of leeway. And I've noticed in new restaurants that we go to where we're regulars that there are times, you know, I'll order an extra chili before the sandwich and it just doesn't show up on the bill or, you know, the wife and I'll have you know soft drinks and they won't show up on the bill, which the soft drinks are like two fifty a piece, three bucks at most of these places. You know, the chili, four that, or five bucks. And that's also the sort of thing that, that tends to happen more than you'd expect if you are the kind of regular who shows up all the time and drops 25% tips all the time. It happens. Right. Which and also means, believe it is, or not, some people are appreciative of good customers who don't make excessive messes and tip well. Right. Well, yeah. If you don't, you know, leave the place looking like the, no, the ones that bring like three toddlers with, and they ruin the restaurant and then the parents just go, ah, what can I do? And that's when you want to just, what, what you can do. How about you clean up after your little shit? <laughs> how about that? That's something interesting. Uh, but I doubt, you know, that the, I, you never know, I guess who you're dealing with. And it's hard to be like, although I wouldn't doubt that would start happening in a place like that. If the servers are getting a whole bunch of crap for a 3% surcharge to be like, well, I didn't put one of your drinks on here. So it's going to even, that's going to be like $3 off. And this surcharge is two bucks. So you're making out, you know, my boss sucks. You know, my concept it, was if you're making out in the restaurant, that's a completely different kind of disruption. <laughs> yes, Some well, people might be into that sort of thing. Yeah. You never know. My concept was rather than just trying to recoup the credit card fees. You know, I know this is always me going in the nefarious route, but could this just be a place which has a pretty good business restaurant and bar? I think they do a lot of booze, a lot of contractors. This is the place they seem to be. If you go in between like two, three, four in the afternoon, the bar is filled with contractors. I'm wondering, is this just the way to get people to pay cash? Because we all know with restaurants, I have friends that run restaurants. I understand how the whole system works. I, I think and that ship might have sailed. I, yeah, I don't it, think people want to pay cash anymore, I, but I'm wondering if this is their This is the incentive to pay cash. So the restaurant owners could go, oh, well, that hundred fell on the floor. I won't count that in our revenues for today. Uh, uh, yeah. You know what? If they're going to do that and they can still stay in business, then more power to them. I'm fine with it. Uh, that is I think that I think that Jason 13, though, kind of uh, stumbled onto it and we're we're throwing out hypotheticals and part of the hypotheticals is that I don't pay with a card when I go out because I I like to carry cash I like to pay cash I think you you mentioned on your show that you also pay cash so this is just hypothetical to you but more importantly uh is 
if I am a regular at a restaurant, then there's probably something there other than their low prices that that draws me in. Maybe I like the service. Maybe I like the food. Maybe it's just really convenient. There, the if that's the case, then the value equation is not going to be significantly swayed by the additional of three percent. And if it is, yeah, it's a lot of fun to make a scene. But ultimately, if the value equation doesn't work out, if uh, if a business raises their prices for, oh, let's face it, a three percent surcharge on credit cards is effectively raising your prices for everybody, because it's really only old geezers and and you know one eyed podcasters who pay cash. Well, and, yeah, because you want those sweet sweet credit card rewards, man. So. If if a company is going to raise their prices across the board by 3%, but their food is still really good and it's still worth it, I'm going to keep going there and I'll pay the higher prices and I'm probably going to be fine with it. But if the value equation doesn't work out correctly, then maybe I just don't go back or maybe I go back three times a month instead of four. That's how I recoup my costs. Going into a restaurant and making a scene is, I'll admit, a lot of fun. But if you're <laughs> looking for non-confrontation or if you just want something practical, cook at home once in a while. The grocery store is cheaper than a damn restaurant. Don't go out and eat all the time. Stop eating at a restaurant every single day and you don't have to worry about a credit card surcharge. You just be like, well, you know, these people raise their prices and and I hate their prices because it's too much, then then stop going to the restaurant. This is not complicated. Well, the you interesting know, thing for me. It's is not that, like it's a government. You don't have to visit a restaurant. No, technically you don't. But the sweet, sweet food in the sometimes just keeps calling your name. But it's the, it's the first business that I've seen do this as far as things that are in a small ticket thing. It's like, you know, if I went into the grocery store and they had the same signs up, I would probably start bringing cash in, you know, because sometimes it's not always convenient to buy your groceries with cash. Restaurants seem a little bit easier, um, but oh, uh, that little that little noise you heard on the stream was I think Sir Bemera is disconnecting himself, hitting the wrong button yet again because he has no hand eye coordination, and uh, and that'll happen. But we'll see if he reconnects here while we're going. You may hear another small little noise, but if the grocery stores. And places like that started offering the discount. And there's that other little noise. Sir Bemrose is back. Did you hit the wrong button again? I just fucking did it. I that <laughs> stupid red hang up button. And I'm not editing this out because it's good radio. Welcome back to the show, Sir <laughs> Okay, Bemrose. well, then this is my squadcast review. Move the goddamn hang up button so that it's not right next to something you want to click during a call. <laughs> um, well, you're a coder. You could you could write a code that would could, alter the page. I could write a user script that moves it, or yeah. deletes it. Yeah, you could do that, and that could be helpful. Maybe you could send it to them and say, "Add this to your UI, <laughs> assholes." And and they might, and maybe if you threw them a little cash. But this is the first place in this restaurant that is doing this, and I'm I'm curious to see. I don't think this is going to start cash showing if up. They had the three percent surcharge for yeah. cre- oh, If they had that, if they had that sweet sweet surcharge, you could do that. You know, I haven't seen this like at the comic book store. You know, sometimes I don't have cash and I'm not going to like go to. I'm usually not going to go to an ATM in order just to pay cash. I'll pull a credit card out if I don't have cash with me, forgot to bring cash, whatever. 
because you know i don't like to walk around with you know five thousand in cash although i knew a couple of bosses that used to do that at any given time if and, if you do you're a drug dealer and that's right. probably okay <laughs> you know it's like I, that's not that's not the way i do business um so i have used credit cards for smaller purchases but you know then you realize that it is hurting these small businesses and if you can certainly pay with cash and i was saying if the grocery stores here uh because that is one of the reasons why you pay with things like the american express card that we have which is they will give you three percent back at grocery stores and hell if you go to their next level which i always thought was a little weird um well not weird because i understand what they're doing but if you went to the next level of american express it would give you six percent back at grocery stores and i can say that i understand why they're doing it they want the data they want the marketing information card company is giving you six percent that really tilts the value judgment on whether or not you're going to pay the three percent surcharge yes you know so that really does it evens out because i think the american express card we have restaurants i think are two percent and i thought groceries three but yeah it's one of those things to where it's going to kind of even itself out if you're using one of these things that gives rewards and it's it's a lot less you know again you understand the marketing aspect of it but just from a a monetary aspect it doesn't really make much sense if you're getting two percent back and it's a three percent surcharge and you're really only getting hit with one percent if you're going to cry about that you need to go somewhere else but not a lot of places uh, are doing this because this is the only I, place I'm, I'm i've sorry, ever seen i'm not a millennial i don't cry about things i just whine do millennials cry or do they just go outside and yell scream scream into the I'm, sky I'm, to be honest i'm i'm horribly stereotyping an entire generation and i should apologize you should, but you're not going to, because this is grumpy old Ben's. They expect you to be grumpy, and it'll be interesting to be. And again, boots on the ground out there. If you have businesses, local businesses that are doing this, where you get a a cash discount, or though I guess it's not really the cash discount. If they're a, a surcharge for the credit cards, I want to know because it would change the way I think a lot of people shop. And in a time where, as we've talked about way back, what episode was cashless? Like one of the first five of grumpy old Ben's talking about how everything's going cashless. If businesses start offering discounts for cash, what does that do to the cashless concept? Will it have an effect? Uh, it, it absolutely will. It'll mean that old people like us who remember how to use cash will have an advantage. God, do you and remember people, retail before and the people who just want to tap their phone will have a very expensive convenience. Yeah. Well, tapping the phone's fun, but do you remember back when retail, the, the, uh, the computer, well, uh, Banging the phone against things is fun, but trying to open the app first and tell it to pay things, I I don't know. Well, it all depends. I mean, on the Samsung, you can just make it one button on the side that automatically launches it. You know, get rid of Bixby. I mean, because that's worthless. Don't get me wrong. I I bang my phone against surfaces all the time. I'm just not usually trying to pay things. You're not trying to transfer funds that way? No. Do you remember back in the day? This this stupid piece of shit. Bang, bang, bang. uh, Yeah. When the person giving you change didn't have a display in front of them to tell you how much change you should get and what kind of fun that was. Well, I, I, I'm old enough to remember back when if you worked a cash register, you, you had to know how to make change yourself. Like, OK, it's 1471 and this is how you count back change. Right. Somebody gave that, me that a that was a skill. Now what? <laughs> yeah, now, now what is that? the Yeah, it displays. OK, you you, know, you put in. You know, fourteen seventy one is the total, and you put in the you two zero 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 go, and it tells you exactly how much. Uh, when I was working a cash register at uh, that horrible retail job, one of the 
one of the things that actually annoyed the managers because they, I don't know why they needed this, but the way that it worked was, uh, if, if somebody paid cash, you had to enter in the amount of cash that they gave hit the, you know, you, so you type like two zero 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 hit the cash button and it would then display how much you needed to give back. But if it was like 1875, uh, the, the way the, the other way it worked is if you didn't enter a number and you just hit cash, they assumed that you gave the exact amount, uh, which nobody ever did. But if it was 1875 and they handed me a 20, I would just hit the cash button and then hand them a dollar and a quarter because it's way easier than trying to key in the number. And the management hated this, but I was so much faster at working with cash. Now, nowadays, you know, a cash customer comes by one in 40. So not something you'd really have to worry about. But back then, people used cash more often. And you were transactions that. That sweet the cash transactions the that took forever. Well, I might have been, but not that they could prove because I never entered in the amount that they gave. <laughs> Nowadays, the the other thing that that modern uh, people working registers never have to deal with is somebody paying something by check. Oh yeah, those were so time consuming. And there's a good we, reason why those went away because one, they were a pain in the ass. Two, I mean, if you think credit card fraud is easy to pull off. Check fraud way, way, way easier, especially once the era came with laser printers. Was it like VersaCheck or somebody? I remember when those first came out where it's like, print your own checks at home. And I'm like, well, what's going to stop me from taking a check that I received from somebody else to pay me for something and go, huh, I'll just put their name and bank account on this and then go spend this somewhere. I mean, I know fraud, but. Printing well, the, checks, the, yeah, easy. What what stops you from doing it is uh, that occasionally the bank will prevent you from and, and don't you know stop payment, and even more occasionally people with guns will show up at your door and tell you you're under arrest. That that's what we call a deterrent. Oh, it, that makes yeah. sense. It, it's kind of like how how laws are supposed to be enforced. Is is that if you do something society doesn't like, then people with guns show up at your door. And then take away your freedoms because you did something. Wait, you're saying if there's a law on the books and somebody breaks that law, they're supposed to something else is supposed to go on after that. Yeah, that's that's theoretically how it works. That's also how the the SJWs, why they're trying to make it against the law to use him for a male to female trans transgender person, because uh, that way it's hate speech. And. So they can enforce pronouns by sending people with guns to your house and take your freedoms away. If you use the wrong pronoun, that's, that's totally legit. Well, they want to I mean, take your wealth. Fair. Yeah. They want to take any wealth you have and they're looking for any reason they can to do it. Ask Elizabeth Warren. She is your choice. If you want to keep none of your money, her and Bernie, that is the ticket you want. Those are the guys I, and I, girls. I, I, I want to, I don't have any money for them to take. Not anymore. I thought there was somebody that had a those genius sweet podcasting dollars. Yes. Not, not, yeah. Those sweet, sweet podcasting funds that are, we, I mean, we, we have them all in a Swiss bank. They're, they're accumulating really good interest rates. We're going to buy an Island soon. We're buying Epstein's Island. I think I hear that's going to be up on the market. I'm not really sure. Uh, he's still using it. <laughs> oh, you know, he didn't, that he didn't kill that, himself. Oh, so that's where he went. 
I guess that could make sense. I, I that's what I heard anyway. I I heard somewhere that uh, that Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. Um, where did I hear that? Um, oh, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why the joke. I go put your Christmas stockings up because, like Epstein, they're not going to hang themselves. Yes, but the I mean, the wealth thing is interesting because we all understand the one of the things people go back to with the United States, which is well, all men are created equal. That doesn't mean that you live your whole life as equal. I mean, created but, equal, but, but that, all all women and transgender are created more equal. Isn't that how it goes? I think so, which is why somebody had the idea, and I thought this was genius. I don't remember who I heard this from. I think it was some comedian or something on one of the social media sites, but had a really good point when it comes, and this is going to be totally off the rails for what we're talking about today, but it's grumpy old Ben's, and you expect that at some point, but talking about the transgender stuff where you know any man can say i identify as a woman and you have to accept that you have to go along with that it's gospel you're a hater that's a law yeah you're a hater if you don't do that if you mispronoun them you're horrible and the conservative people are kind of up in arms about this because it's like well no this doesn't seem to make any reasonable sense but the the clever canucks are the ones who are identifying as a woman and then going into the massage parlor and saying, yeah, I need a bikini wax. And the person says, no, I don't want to work on you because these are testicles. And he says, I'm sorry, she, the, the identified woman says, no, I identify as a woman. And therefore legally you have to wax this because, uh, that, that is a vagina because I I said, I'm a woman. Yeah. Candidavia is weird. I, I, that is absolutely my favorite story. Simply because of the, you know, not only the, the unmitigated gall, one, one might even say the balls of this person, uh, <laughs> literally, but I, I just pointing out the utter absurdity and internal inconsistency of creating a law. And just to be clear, I, I don't, I don't approve of a law that says just because somebody says that they're male or female that you are automatically required by law that that people will come with guns to your house to enforce that you must treat them with the correct pronouns and so i don't approve of that that's authoritarian that takes away freedoms that totally interrupts freedoms of speech i know you know Canadavia doesn't have a first amendment to guarantee freedom of speech which means that they lost it a long time ago and i'm sorry about that but you guys need to like you need to get up and overthrow your SJW government. Really? I mean, all you have to do is just cut in front of them in line and they'll sit down because they they're all millennials who hate confrontation. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, the very idea of having a law that requires any place of business to do business with anyone is completely and utterly wrong. You, this, this goes back to, the what was the case a couple of years ago about a person baking a cake who said no I don't you know I don't want to I don't want to make a wedding cake for a couple fucking fags I, I don't know if that's actually what they said I don't think that was friends. the wording and I think I don't there think was so either and it I think wasn't it was because for, that want- it was for a gay wedding it was something that they wanted on the cake it may have been verbiage that well, was offensive I, I, to I, them and and I I don't approve of 
anybody being a bigot or a racist. That's not cool. And they probably ought to be slapped or at least shunned for it. And they should definitely lose some business. But what absolutely is wrong is using the force of people with guns coming to your house to enforce, requiring that you have to enter into contract with somebody. If the the basis of being in a free country is I have the ability to voluntarily enter with, into contracts with whomever I want. And that means yeah, yeah, we've all been in a business and seen the sign that says, you know, we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. Now, the sign is kind of ridiculous because that shit should be self-evident. If you are a private business, you have the ability to voluntarily enter a contract or not, period. This is not something the law should be involved in. This is not something that somebody with you know, should come over and enforce at the barrel of a gun and the force of law. But at the same time, if you are a homophobic baker and you refuse, okay, I may, I'm fine with saying, I, I don't know the details of this, but hypothetically- well, I think this may have been the case, and maybe this is or a really good joke in the troll room. Gummy Nerd says that the the gay couple wanted two dongs on the cake, so obviously maybe they wanted two penises in icing okay. on the cake or something like that. And the Christian baker said, "No, I'm not going to do that." You know, it wasn't well, for it wasn't because of who it was for; it was because so, so of I don't what I don't know wanted. the particular details, but I guess what I'm saying is if you if you are a homophobic and you decide that you don't want to do business with somebody just because you don't like what they do in the privacy of their own bedroom out of sight, hopefully out of sight. If they're web streaming it, then things change entirely. (laughs) If, if you are a homophobic piece of shit, then, then you deserve to be shunned, but you do have the right to make that choice. That is if, if our society were actually free, then you would have that right. Uh, I, I, if I was, if I owned a waxing parlor and I said, I'm sorry, you're a man and therefore you can't come into my waxing parlor, then that should be my right. However, I should lose business for that because that's sexist. Darth Radar wants some of that yummy, yummy dong cake. These are the kind of comments you could see and troll along. Noagendastream.com while we're doing these shows live. But the genius. Because we know right now in the United States, there is a group of Democrats who are really all in on this. The AOC group, the whole everybody should be able to do whatever they want. And the ludicrousness. You lost me if there's a group of Democrats. I, well, right. There, there's a group. They're all Democrats. I think pretty much all the Democrats are all in on this. The I, I want to identify as a woman concept. And somebody said, here is the best way, the greatest way to derail them. And I thought this was absolutely genius. Let me know what you think. They thought that Donald Trump should come out and say he identifies as a woman. Which, I mean, putting aside that that's not going to happen. Um, but no, but let's just say it did that he came out and identifies be, as a woman. It would be hilarious. It would actually be a very powerful SJW test because you could walk around the street and instantly identify them by which ones are standing there. And you can see the gears grinding in their heads <laughs> because think about everything this would do. He can now say he beat Hillary. He's the first female president because he identifies as a woman. He's the first female president. 
he would then be a lesbian because he's married to a woman and the woman he's married to is an immigrant so he would be the first <laughs> lesbian uh, he, president he, yeah he's hitting all immigrant. the intersexual check boxes isn't he yes that would be the perfect sjw check as you said that would uh i think that would be fantastic just to see what the reaction would be I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what the reaction would be. The it, they cannot possibly think that there's anything good about Donald Trump, and so they'd find a way to change the rules so that it excludes them. Right. That, that definitely is the one thing that I have seen coming out of the the postmodernist neo Marxist identity politics side of uh, of basically all of the most corrupt shit of academia that's overflowing into our society right now is the willingness to change the rules to fit a situation so that the situation works out the way they want. You know, you, you can't be racist. Racism is bad. We've heard that for centuries or at least, you know, decades. And, uh, Oh, but, uh, we, we actually want to be racist against whites. So, uh, let's make up some shit about uh, existing power structures and how uh, uh, white people have been in power for so long that that means that it's OK to be racist against you because of your skin color. That's yeah, we're we're, we're fine with that. Let's let's go with that new rule. Pretty much because everybody that's yelling right now that anybody that wants to identify as something besides their born gender, they can do it. Donald Trump does it and then they go. Not everybody can do this. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah, well, no, actually the rule is that uh, you, you have the right to do that unless uh, your hair is a particular type of orange and you uh, won a presidential election uh, against a, a lizard person. Well, the reaction would be, he doesn't really mean it, which opens the door to, do you think everybody does? <laughs> you know, and this is this is the really the question you get into. And I know, you know, my wife's had a chat with this with the the guy that she works with, and he's like, you know, he has a young daughter, and he's like, when this kind of shit starts coming through, he's like, well, then I'm gonna have to like go into the bathrooms with her because I'm not allowing her to go into a bathroom that any guy that says I identify as a female can then go in. You know, you start going down a very slippery slope, and uh, it's not good. But that would be interesting because you get well. How do you know he's not? How so do you know Donald the, Trump doesn't identify the, as a the woman? The identity movement and the uh, what what Dave Chappelle calls the alphabet people, um, they identify dozens of different types of transgenderism. But let me just go ahead and throw all alphabet people, all of the transgender people into two categories. There are the people who genuinely want to transition, they believe that they were born into the wrong body and they want to transition into the other gender. Uh, I, I know people like this, and uh, those are the kind of people who would generally agree with you that, yeah, there's only two genders. And I have decided that I am going to become the other one. These are people who do not consider, uh, you know, uh by dolphin curious as right. one of the 73 genders they say i was male and now i am female there is no in between there just happens to be i'm you know i haven't quite had the surgery yet but for you know i have i have a good friend who is in fact male to female transgender and you know what she doesn't identify as transgender she doesn't identify as as you know partial birth whatever she identifies as female and I'm fine with that. 
The other category of transgender people are the people who are in it for attention. And those are the ones who have to make up dozens of genders so that they can feel like unique snowflakes and want to be special. And, you know, male and female aren't good enough because you obviously, uh, you know, there's there's lots of men out there and there's lots of women out there and they're all boring and I have to be special. And so they make (laughs) up something new that these people are not transitioning. They've transitioned. They've become what they want to be, which is some kind of weird fucking amalgam of genders that they made up on the spot. And that's fine. You can decide in your head that you are a weird made up amalgam of genders with a custom pronoun of then. That's fine, but I don't have to use it because you're stupid and that's ridiculous. And I'm just going to, if, if you are worthy of my respect, I'll call you he or she, depending on what you want, but I'm not going to call anybody zero. It, it, that's not English. You're making shit up. Stop it. Come back to this reality. Sir Bemrose, you are special, my friend. But it's uh, interesting. I, 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 my, my gender, I identify as Sir Bemrose. <laughs> it's interesting that. I, Sir Bemrose is one of the most oppressed minorities in the entire country. <laughs> it is a very small minority of only one person. And it is not. I, I, where are my Wait, reparations? I, I am know there's not only getting. One. I'm, I, God, I hope. God help us all if there's more than one. <laughs> there may be other people I, in the troll room right now that identify as Sir Bemrose. I am not. I'm not getting my reparations. Somebody pay me money because I am in an oppressed minority. We are all Sir Bemrose. But it's interesting to me oh, that, the, that the transgender <laughs> that people thought. Yes. The transgender people that have, have actually you know, gone through have transitioned that come out and say, like you just talked about, there's only male and female. They get the hatred, which I find to just be the wackiest thing in the world that Somebody that's actually gone through the transition surgery, gone through the whole process, you would think would understand the whole concept better than most at that point. When they come out and say, no, there's only male or female and people are like, oh, you're a hate. Like, really? I mean, you people just turn on your own so quickly and want to live in this, this well, I mean, world. Some, of- some, somebody who uh, uh, the kind of person who genuinely believes they were born in the wrong body and want to be the other like. Well, I you was don't born want- in the wrong body. I mean, I look more like well, yeah. a, uh, you know, Al Bundy than, uh, yeah. you know, Fabio. I don't know what's going on with this. I'm, I'm wrong body. Well, some of us were born into the wrong body. Some of us worked very hard to get into the wrong body. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it, somebody who like you know, my friend who I'm, I'm not going to name, but uh, uh, she was born male and she decided that she is female. but. She's not going to be transgender. That's not, that's not her. I mean, that might be a description, but that's not her gender. Her gender is female. She wants to be, she doesn't want to be a part. She doesn't want to be something special. She wants to be a woman. Right. Having the surgery doesn't make you an activist. No. And being a total douche about it and wanting to be special instead of fitting into society might make you an activist. Well, it depends on how far you go with Go ahead and you, you've you've had some fantastic segues this show. Can you go ahead and bring us back to the the topic again? Well, Another once you frails. once you lose that extra genitalia, you have to start saving money somewhere. Um, we could talk about the who pays for all that stuff, but no, that's not uh, 
what we wanted to talk about on today's episode. Do we want to talk about the wage gap? That would be that would have been a great opportunity for a segue. We could because men and women make different amounts of cash. Allegedly, still this is going on because of well, it's not alleged. There are statistics. Well, it's be, is it because of the gender? I mean, this is where you start going down this list of reasons. You start going through where there are women who run really big companies, make a whole lot of money, and there are women who you know work for a few years and then decide to have a family and then go have kids. And we understand that is a big time. Uh, job having kids unless you unless you're at the point where you have so much money where you can have a nanny and all this other stuff or if you have a husband that's a stay-at-home dad but there's a lot of women that choose to spend more time with their family and if they have the financial means to do so and then they're like well i can't jump back into the job market five years later and i'm gonna make less why men don't have to go through that well that's not necessarily being paid less because you're a woman it's being paid less because of the choices because that you, you made yeah left the job market for five years that right. has an effect yeah you know so there's there's a lot of things that go into that and i don't necessarily believe that there is as big of a problem at this point based upon looking at the same set of factors that a man and woman are making different and i'm sure there's still an old boys club in some of these companies but i think that has gotten a hell of a lot better over the last few years, last decade or so, where I know that there are women that run companies that start their own businesses that make a lot of money. When you go in, you know, starting, let's start at the bottom. When you go in and you're 17 years old and you're trying to get a job at McDonald's, well, they're paying you the same, whether you're a male or female. So that's pretty well, much the same. I think we can agree right at the minimum at those jobs. Uh, yes we we already discussed minimum wage on grumpy old bends and and yes a man making minimum wage is making the same minimum as a woman who's making minimum wage it's not like that you're not walking into mcdonald's and they're like oh i'm gonna pay the woman minimum wage to start oh you're a guy i'll pay you five dollars more than minimum wage per hour to start no and and they're definitely not you're not going in there and saying oh you're female we're actually going only going to pay you 77 percent of minimum wage that doesn't happen you know, and the thing that I always thought was funny in that, if we're going to talk about that kind of thing, is Hooters in restaurants like that, where the women that hate these kind of restaurants. Uh, uh, you have my attention. <laughs> okay, we got some Pembroke's in. And my wife loves going to Hooters. She likes fried pickles. That certainly helps. Likes hot wings. And has never found the outfits to be, you know, revealing. I mean, they're shorts and a tight T-shirt. I mean, that's not really, yeah. you know, if you go out and about in public, I see women wearing a lot less, not working at Hooters. So I don't see that as a big problem. but. When you're working as not, a Hooters, not even getting paid for it, right? They make a ton of money and tips because I mean, who is taking advantage of who in this situation? Because I know, and I think you would uh, yeah. probably go along having the same experience they're, here. They're you getting paid Hooters. a lot of money just because they happen to be born into the right body. I mean, talk about being right. born into the wrong body. Yes. If I looked that good in a tight t-shirt and shorts, I would love to be getting paid for doing that. Yeah. I mean, I understand that that service industry waitressing is hard work, but you're making pretty damn good money based on the fact that you happen to look good and and good. I'm happy for you for doing that, but don't don't call me the oppressor when I don't look that good in shorts and a T-shirt. And I'm certainly not going to make those tips. Yeah, you would. They're like, no, no, I'll just I'll wait for another server. Thank you very much. Um so yeah, they're not as far as I've seen yet. I haven't seen any transitioning people working at Hooters. 
and that may be a whole different conversation, yeah, yeah, but you're obviously not going to the right Hooters in Silicon <laughs> Valley. Then you're right. I'm not. And I don't want to see that. It would work. I mean, it's, it's kind of like if we go on another little sidetrack, it's like the Victoria's secret. Now, when you know the, there's the one model and I know who she is, I won't misgender her. And now when you just see like their advertisements and stuff, every time, I mean, she's a good looking woman for a transgender model, no doubt about it, but I still go. So the best thing you could do to show women's clothing, how are they going to look on women is to put them on a body of a guy. You know, there's still physical differences. I don't quite get that, but I, I, I gotta be honest. I'm, I am sufficiently shallow. If, if I'm not seeing a bulge and all the curves are right, I don't care. I'll, be <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll stare at those photos. I, You're like, I mean, hey. as long as there's not, as long as there's not like a boner killer and underneath or something. I, yeah. I'll look. It, it, it's not like the Danny Bonaducci tranny trick. I mean, you don't want to get. You don't want to find out when you when you go I mean, down I, south. I also I also don't want to find out after after a night of buying drinks for this person, and you get to the bedroom and you're like, uh, "Where'd that come from?" That, okay, that's so wait, not how now, I want to find out either. But okay, so is, should there be a law? What's the, what should be? No, the there proper, shouldn't be a law. Should have, be the have you not listening to my? Have you not listened to my rants for the last thirty nine episodes? No, I'm in general, there should not be a law. Just stop right there. There should not be a law. Okay, what should be proper etiquette for somebody that is out looking like a female in a bar when you start buying her drinks? After how many is it before that you even accept the first one that you go, hey, got a dick? Just let you know <laughs> right off the bat. Down south, up up here, up north, all woman. Down south, well, got I, a dick. I, I mean, I, if if you're trying to minimize the possibility for any confusion whatsoever, maybe they should wear a sign. Well, Have it printed on a t-shirt after. or something. Duodium wants to know what happens if you find out after marriage. Then you were not having fun before you got married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then you got married for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Pay closer attention. You're, you're grossing JC Jr. out, so that means you're doing something right. But when it comes to the normal Hooters experience, I mean, I remember going, you know, back in high school, college, guys will overtip at Hooters because that's just the, it's in our DNA. You're like, oh, pretty sure. girl. Um, you know, you'll throw in, you know, where it was 15, 18%. That's yeah. where the you know, 25%. They, they've got a very successful business model in, in closely controlling which brain you're thinking with. Yes. And I know, I mean, we talked to the one girl we used to go in there all the time when I worked at circuit city, she worked the lunch shift cause she had a kid really nice brunette. And, uh, she was t- saying, Hey, if you know, you work a weekend, I mean, they were making in the hundreds, like six, 700 bucks a night in tips and this is going back like 20 years and it's a you know it's like okay who's taking advantage of who here when you're like i can't believe you're making women go out in shorts and a t-shirt and it's like they're making like 700 bucks a night where a guy is making uh, like 45 making? bucks working at you know in the, in the yeah, kitchen I, I, I'm, what is this making i i again people with guns did not show up at this person's house and be like you're going to go work in scantily clad no that's not really how this works it's more like, uh, hey, you want to make some money? Here's all you have to do. Omaha, we were talking about money. That was kind of <laughs> the broad thing today. He's asking in the troll room what the original topic of the show was. Because right now, if you tuned in late, yeah. you're going, I'm trying uh, to pick did, up. Did, did you read the line right after that one? Where you said no idea, but that, yeah. you never have an idea. This well, is the greatest thing about doing a podcast with Sir Ryan Bemrose is all I have to do is show up start saying some stuff and I will get a reaction. So as long as we're on the topic of the wage gap, uh, 
what what would you say is the uh, hottest area for new companies for people being turned into instant millionaires? Uh, where where would you say that is in the country for the last ten years? Well, Silicon Valley. Yeah. So, of all of the places that you're going to see really hot markets for people turning into instant millionaires, uh, would you say Silicon Valley is on the left side of the country or the right? Uh, I'm pretty sure they're on the left side. So, pretty much a hotbed of SJW culture. Yes. So, in the middle of capitalist it, culture. If if the hottest place for people becoming ceos and being turned into instant millionaires happens to also be a hotbed of sjw activity and uh people who are unhealthily focused on equality then how is it that that this is somehow generating the kind of sexism that causes women to only get a small percentage it doesn't make sense of course Unless, of course, you know, you're massaging statistics for the purpose of uh, a political point, like like including stay at home mothers in your statistics, which they are. Yes, and, yes, they are. You know, this is and we're, we're talking part time workers as well. And again, this is why the media absolutely sucks when it comes to any of this <laughs> kind of stuff. And there was a woman, the, I forget. the theme, the theme of over almost twelve hundred episodes of No Agenda. The media sucks. It is because I mean, there was a uh, story not that long ago about a woman, you know, because Trump, everything was bad. Although if you open up the Drudge Report today, it's like, oh, uh, employment better than expected. Uh, I mean, th- going down the line, everything in the financial sector better than expected. But this was a story about how horrible it was with all of these homeless problems, which the problems are that the cities yeah. they're living in. But this was like, oh, this woman is working four jobs and she can't even make ends meet. And she did. She's have, pretty shit at managing money, isn't she? Yes. Well, the, the concept also was that's what they say. And this, when you read a headline, and this is the kind of thing that's being reported as fact, just like the other day, the headlines on multiple freaking news organizations was Willie Nelson stops, uh, quits marijuana. And it's like, no, he said he Are wasn't you- smoking marijuana anymore. But these Willie things, Nelson, Willie Nelson quits marijuana seven or eight times a day, <laughs> right? That's, that's kind of the way the, that's been Willie's life. His lungs are shot and he said he's no longer smoking marijuana. But the headline, including on Drudge, was Willie Nelson says, I'm clean. So I went and read all the articles and Willie just says he doesn't smoke marijuana anymore. And I'm like, is the media ignorant of edibles and taking in this compound without smoking? Maybe they are. Maybe they're just that bad because they get these stories that wrong that the woman that had the four jobs who couldn't make ends meet, none of them were full-time jobs. She was like a driver for Uber. It might've been like Uber and Lyft. And they were counting that as like two you know, jobs. It's like, I'm sorry. No, that's not two jobs. You don't even have a full-time job. So saying, oh, you have four jobs and you can't make ends meet. Well, yeah. You know, if I, if I Uber for five hours a week, and I do a podcast and I work at a fast food place for five hours a week. And then I do whatever else for the last job. I'm not yeah, going to make any money. You're, you're doing two podcasts a week and uh, producing two no agenda pre-shows every week. You're working four jobs right there Damn. in the media industry. <laughs> yes. How, how can you possibly have time to make men's meet? 
I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I should be on the government dole, man. Everybody should be. Well, let's everybody get money from the government and then it'll be a utopia. Well, I, that's, that's, that's a cue into another rant that I don't think we have time for today, which we is that one. It, no, nobody is entitled to make a living. Just letting you know, uh, you know, and anybody who says, well, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm an artist and you, you have to pay me for my work because I have to eat. I'm like, well, if you really think you have to eat, then go get a fucking real job. Anyway, we don't have time for that rant. I agree with you. And I agree. You agree that, that we don't have time. I, yeah, it's for, too long. For two, that's way, way too long. Uh, we only have so many gigabytes in the world. We can't fit every Bemrose rant in. But Silicon Valley is not sexist. I mean, you look, what was the woman's name that started up that medical company that was nothing but vaporware? But she went on for like a decade taking money in Elizabeth something or other, right? Uh, what she, what, one yeah, of these, it, was, uh, it was like, uh, what was the company name? Th- Thanos? Yes. Uh, Theranos? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And, and she pulled and, the wool uh, over people's eyes. But yeah. they wanted a the, female. They this was, this was, jobs. Yeah, this is the part of the problem. When somebody's looking like she's the female Steve Jobs. Oh, we're not sexist. Yeah, we're going to throw all our money behind her. She was a charlatan. Yay. Because, you know, women well, can't do anything wrong. Women won't uh, but lie. I don't think I, I, I think she was a charlatan first and a woman second. Yes. Well, I yes. mean, maybe not chronologically, but I, it, you, somebody who was that charismatic and wore a uh, a tight turtleneck, which I have to admit looked a hell of a lot better on her than it ever did on Steve Jobs, uh, who is able to smoothly tell lies and get investors to part with their money. It doesn't matter whether they're male or female. The, uh, it, somebody who is that charismatic and is going to be able to create an empire like that. Uh, it, it, you know what? Uh, congratulations for taking in that money. Uh, sorry you got caught. Um, dear investors, stop being so stupid and don't think with your dicks when and lead with that when you hand your money out. I don't know. I feel like the situation worked out. Sir Scandinavian says the Dow is up 333. That's a lot of magic numbers and a lot of good 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 economic numbers which i wanted to check out the latest i don't listen to dh unplugged every week but i wanted to listen this week and then they had internet problems this was a weird week for internet issues with hog story going down dh unplugged going down for a minute i thought the whole no agenda stream was under fire but adam curry was able to broadcast from the netherlands so although maybe that's why maybe they didn't know where he was nick nick made it uh as far as i know grumpy old ben's is is streaming although we'll find out if we get a recording out of this or not right as we're using our new squadcast service um i noticed that uh uh mags didn't go live this week no what well, we were told that that would only be not appointment viewing anymore that you would be told in advance when there was one rather well, than I, I i gotta admit i kind of miss i kind of miss hearing that it, Mark and George were doing two separate podcasts, but both of them were good. And if you kind of split the tracks up, they, they were both great solo podcasts. Well, you like doing podcasts where people argue, and obviously you like listening to podcasts where people argue. I just like arguing. <laughs> this is your, so you were the master debater in college, I hear. I never stopped. <laughs> See, that is true. Sometimes on the stream, sometimes just while sitting alone in your room. I don't, we're yes. not going to question well, what you do. I, 
I have my when when nobody is listening to me on the stream and nobody's in the chat room engaging with me. Sometimes I just have to master debate into my cat. And you can go on the stream anytime you want. Carolyn Blaney did three and a half hours on her own, and we applaud her for that. I mean, if for everybody that listened to our episode on doing a podcast with Larry Blydner just two episodes ago, I think that was one of the things we talked about. The hardest thing in the world to do is a solo podcast. And making that 10 times harder was she wasn't expecting to do a solo podcast. It's one thing if you're ready to do a solo podcast, you've done your homework, you have a list of topics, you're ready to go. This was, hey, my co-host internet sucks, and I'm just going to start talking and go three hours plus. (laughs) That is genius. I love it. I think this doesn't, this does not bode well for Fletcher. I know. (laughs) This is, yeah, you're totally irrelevant, Fletcher. We hate to uh, let you know the Blaney Blarney is going to be a thing. We should have at least a, a little five minute. Well, it's like we've talked about that with grumpy old Ben's, although we could never do anything in under like five minutes where, you know, we should do like little tips and put those out a couple times a week. We have the full show. And then if there's something that just is like a very little blurb of something to put that out there. But, um, you know, I don't know. We say hello. Goodbye. And you then know, you when, put the stuff in the middle and it's like 30 minutes. Well, about 40 episodes ago, back when you were trying to push me into becoming a podcaster and, and I didn't think that I had it in me, one of the ideas that we bounced was, uh, what, what if I just did a, a solo show that was nothing more than a, a 10 minute rant weekly. And, right. uh, there, there was some doubt as to whether or not I could go 10 minutes. And, uh, at this point, I'm quite certain that I couldn't stop after only 10 minutes. That is, I think that's absolutely positively true and we're glad that you're doing this podcasting thing it's been interesting and the show has gone on longer with regularity which is one of the other keys we talked about while doing the episodes which is set your schedule and keep to it we all understand things happen but you can usually tell and unfortunately that seems to be the case with the mark and george show is when you start missing episodes a lot you know that is usually a very bad sign for the show sticking around and you look at guys like no agenda that have been doing two shows a week come hell or high water so it's a big deal when they do and i think the ones coming up on december 22nd where they're doing a clip show it's a big deal because there's 104 show days for them every year and the fact that they do usually what like 102 or 103 there's usually like one or two clip shows a year but that is a lot of podcasting to do, especially when the shows are closing in on three hours. Three hours. Long. But they are there with regularity, and that is why people tune in. Doing it at the same time as well, which is something that not most podcasters do. And before we were doing the shows live, we understood that we could we could front load shows. We have a lot of ideas. We could spend a weekend recording three or four shows that we didn't have to talk to each other for a month. We could stay on a regular weekly release schedule once you start doing the live thing which is a whole lot more fun and we thank everybody for going into the chat room slash troll room at noagendastream.com once you start doing the shows live you have to have a day and time if you expect people to show up you can't randomly go okay let's do this friday at nine and then let's do this next week let's do saturday at six and the next we'll do wednesday at four you have to kind of keep a schedule to keep people engaged and so far, that's been working out, and uh, and so far, we haven't had a problem uh, getting you to, to to speak up a little bit. I'm sorry, was I supposed to talk? No. 
No, I was going to okay. mute. See, I don't have a mute button for you anymore, so that kind of ruins that as well. Is there anything else in this money concept that we need to talk about today, or is that is are we getting close to the the, the end? Because usually there's something well, in, on the Bemro list, Bemro's list. I, I've got a I've got a real problem with income tax. I just want you to know that. I mean, them taking money from you, or uh, you just. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the main part. Yeah, is I have a real problem with people stealing my money. Well, there's always somebody. I mean, there's a guy that my wife's boss knows that comes in and is like, no, you don't have to pay income tax, man. It's illegal. I mean, you just tell them this, this, <laughs> this. And I'm like, really? Show me. Show yeah. me the proof. Okay. So the the argument that you shouldn't have to pay income tax is even more flimsy then the argument that you should have to pay income tax with regards to trying to, and this by the way is why I don't respect lawyers as a profession is all of it has to do with just trying to reason through an impossibly large set of arbitrary rules. When the important question, uh, you know, and, and the thing that all of the, Oh, I shouldn't pay income tax. People don't get is you're, you, you absolutely don't have to pay income tax, but there are consequences for that, which is no matter what kind of weird legal wrangling you think you can get through, no matter what kind of impassioned, charismatic arguments you can make in front of a judge. And even if you manage to convince the judge of something, the simple fact is if you don't pay taxes, people from the government will show up at, at your house with guns and take your shit away. That is how the government operates. They are thugs. and the entire legal framework around it is really just a a way of rationalizing the fact that the government is made up of thugs who wants to take your money and spend it on things that they want to spend it on. Congratulations. You are now participating in democracy. Uh, Whether or not it's legal is not nearly as important as to whether or not you can get shot for it. Let me push your button for just one second. Um, if, if so, wait, wait, that's all I've been I'm doing not doing this. a good enough job myself. <laughs> I'm just curious because I mean, you don't like the government. You don't like lawyers. So my question would be if somebody, I mean, it's like, say Sir Matthew, he just showed up in the troll room. Hi, Sir Matthew. If Sir Matthew owed, owed you like $10,000 and he was like, I'm not paying you. How would you get your money? Uh, that depends uh, in, in this hypothetical. Uh, it depends on the society. Uh, because in the society that we're in right now, where people with guns go out and enforce contracts, I would probably uh, bring my contract up to somebody who was backed by people with guns and use that to enforce it. Uh, If this were anarchy and there were no government, um, I would probably go directly to the people with guns or pick up a gun myself and enforce it. (laughs) But that seems fair. You use what the system allows you to use. Even if you don't like it, sometimes you have to use you know, it. Be- believe it or not, I'm not a total anarchist. Uh, however, um, I, I do believe that there's way too much government out there and the vast majority of it is uh, decreasing our quality of life rather than increasing it. Uh, the, the valid and just reasons for government, you know, government exists originally to have a monopoly on the use of force to coerce people. Because uh, if, if you have the true Mad Max style anarchy where everybody can use force to coerce people at their will, 
Um, you know, that's all the worst parts of anarchy. That's the type of anarchy that everybody always calls out whenever they use it to justify more government. Um, that that's not what you want. It's, it's unethical. It is immoral to, for everybody to just use guns to coerce people into doing things. That's, that's called mob rule. That's, uh, you know, crime syndicate territory. Um, but a government that uses, you know, has the ability to use force to coerce people, which is what a government is for. Um, there are certain just reasons why that should be done. And one of them is enforcing contracts. If two people enter into a voluntary contract and one of them decides to renege, that is a place where the use of force may be necessary. And that is therefore where having an effective court system to enforce contracts is actually a valid cause for government. Uh, now, having that same government go out and try to enforce how much nitrogen your farmers are using <laughs> might be a little bit of an overreach. That's why the farmers worldwide are pissed, yo. They got those tractors. They're bringing them on highways. They're taking them to the capital cities, and rightfully so, because some of this insanity has got to stop. And that's what we're here on Grumpy Old Ben's talking about. Sometimes we go off the rails. Sometimes we have a very strict topic. Sometimes we sometimes we have shows that have no rails. Right. And sometimes having no rails is the way to go. And we appreciate everybody that's listening. And we do have an executive producer because somebody found our grumpy old Ben's Patreon page. I don't think we've ever even given out a URL for that. We have not. We 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 have mentioned on the show that existed. We simply said one was set up but and it wasn't never... super hard to find no i mean it was pretty easy to find when it comes down to it if you know how the the patreon system works it's it's not hard to find our page but this guy found it and he decided to sign up for a monthly thing his name is steve e and i don't see any notes or anything with this from him if there's anything he wants read of course send that in to us but we appreciate you one finding us on patreon and to signing up there is it something as we've talked about we're not huge fans of patreon we're also not huge fans of things like paypal but we don't have a p.o box and it's not easy to send money to people in a relatively safe secure you know kind of anonymous manner without using something like paypal or using well, something not, like Patreon. i'm not a huge fan of patreon for as a business for their tendency to uh, gatekeep and deplatform people who have content that they don't personally approve of. And I think that that's wrong in any company, but it certainly seems to be getting more and more common. However, uh, like they mentioned on No Agenda yesterday, uh, if you are going to have a successful podcast, you need to go everywhere that there is money and you need to make it very, very easy for people to give money to you. Which is why we probably should be setting up a P.O. box, uh, because I know that we have people who don't want who who feel the same way I do about Patreon and don't want to give them their five percent vig because of their corporate policies. Right. Uh, but also don't want to give PayPal a vig and they don't want to give a uh, vig to any of the other services. Uh, you know, some people want to send blankets and water. Just send it, your cash. And you would rather they just send Brazilian supermodels with those things if they're going to send them to your door. And then you don't even have to send whatever the items are. Uh, Just the Brazilian supermodels are fine. You know, as as much as I think that that would appeal, I think I'm still going to have to go with cash for the simple reason <laughs> that my wife will let me keep the cash. 
Mm, yeah, I guess that that's probably a problem. I'd have to double check with the wife, but Brazilian supermodels keeping one of those, and, and you know, the cost can't be can't be that low either. I mean, you think cats are expensive or dogs? Um, yeah, there's a cost I don't want to deal with there. But I guess we do take Bitcoin, and that's one last little thing to cover here. But again, thank you, Steve E, for the contribution to the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. You know, we've talked about Bitcoin from the concept of how it works. And that that's a whole different story. My question for the people that deal with Bitcoin as a way to take payments is how do you deal with the fact that it is constantly going up and down in value? That is the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around as far as using this as a regular way to take in any kind of you know donations i mean i guess unless you take it in and immediately dump that out to another account maybe there's a way to do that automatically but usually these things aren't automated that i mean i just don't like the fact that somebody could send you a hundred bucks today at noon and by the time you get home and realize that's in your account you know maybe it's worth 80 bucks and i know that's a bigger swing than normal but if I might, if I might uh, uh, poorly represent the side of the Bitcoin advocates, because I'm not really one of them, but I'm I'm just imagining here. Uh, the problem that you're having is thinking about it in terms of you know so many dollars worth of Bitcoin, which is understandable because when Bitcoin first came out, it was itself represented as a currency and. As a currency, converting it back and forth between that and the dominant currency that is going on in our society, which you know, in in our case is American dollars, uh, is is a natural way to think about it. But uh, one Bitcoin is always it is rock steady. The value is always precisely one point zero 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 Bitcoin. Uh, and if that's how you think about it, if if you only think about it in terms of how many bitcoins is it then it makes sense. Now, you can't eat a Bitcoin. So at some point, if you want to use it, you have to transform it into another uh, another currency. Um, but if you think about it in terms of it's, it's a, a commodity, it's a store of wealth, um, commodities go up and down too. Uh, a, you know, a bag of sand or whatever the hell they, they trade on the commodity market can be worth uh, you know, eight dollars today and ten dollars tomorrow and seven the next day. Uh, Bitcoin is kind of like that. So when people send bitcoins to a podcast, uh, what they are sending is a store of value, not necessarily a currency, because Bitcoin has succeeded far more than I ever expected back in 2011 when I really should have got into mining and totally <laughs> didn't. Uh, in so many ways, but the one place Bitcoin has utterly failed is as of this moment, it is not a currency. <laughs> right. And you have but to look at okay. that in a different way. It is. It is. But for paying people on a day to day basis, it makes it difficult for it to make sense. And, you know, for our little amounts, it makes it a lot easier. But I remember Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank fame talking about, well, Bitcoin will never be used for. You know, huge business transactions, which might be you know a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, a million bucks, because the be. the variation in money by from the time it was put through and the time it actually gets there is could be different. But and but I mean, it it could be 
Yeah, well, if, it could be once one. You know, I, the future still could exist where we have uh, an entire market in bitcoins. I mean, people have tried to set it up. I don't know if any of them have succeeded yet. But when there is an entire market where uh, you know goods and services can be traded and all prices are set in terms of Bitcoin, then what does it matter that it keeps going up and down in terms of U.S. dollars if well, you don't correct. have to convert them? And and that is the place where they want to be and they're where they need to be in order to be a currency. And I don't know if they're still there or not, uh, or if if they're getting there or not. But um, it if you know large transactions where uh you know a, a train you know you might say a large transaction might be done in a hundred thousand dollars and maybe that happens maybe it's not. Uh, but I could totally see a large transaction being done uh, on the order of, uh, you know, this transaction is for 112 bitcoins. And, and you just have to, you, at that point you think of in your head, well, that's worth a lot of money, you know? Right. And, and we're back to, we're back to a bartering system where you don't think in terms of, of, you know, this barn is worth $10. You think in terms of this barn is worth three chickens. Ooh, I like chickens. But don't send those. <laughs> we get a PO box. Do not send your life chickens I, to the if, PO box. If 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 you if you send chickens to Sir Bemrose, I will not get to use them. My cats will get to them first. Sir Bemrose, Left Coast, USA. It'll get there. Don't worry. But if you want to subscribe to this little show that we're doing, the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast, you can go over to grumpyoldbens.com and click one of those subscribe buttons. It is made super easy for you. Get the plain RSS feed if you're a dude named Ben. If you have an Apple phone, click that button. If you have an Android phone, click that button. If you're on Stitcher, click that button. And if you want it emailed to you every time an episode drops, click that button. And then below those buttons is another button that says donate. And there's a UR, uh, there is a QR code if you want to do the whole Bitcoin thing and send us some fake money that way. All these things are available. We work what on I'm the getting is that value. there's a lot of buttons out here. A lot of buttons. A button. I, uh, See it, the 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 tea dropping thing. It is hard to do that, even intentionally, for people a, a that button? speak well. Uh, button, button. Well, oh, yo, yo, speak well. I I get it. Okay, yeah. Because I was going to say it's pretty easy for me. <laughs> okay, see that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, we work in the value for value model. If you think you got something out of the show, model. and you want to give something, and you want us to keep doing the shows, that's the best way to do it. Keep the lights on. Sir Bemrose, cats and food. And he needs a, a lot of wood, but that's growing right outside his door. So he'll just go get that himself to throw in the old wood stove. You get, I'm really, when I, when I hear you talk about that wood stove, I really seem uh, in my, in my mind, I see like Grizzly Adams and stuff, like a big guy yeah. going out, getting wood and firing it up. And like, you're living out in the middle of nowhere, but you're well, like, well, I, aside from the middle of nowhere, that's pretty much what it is. I live in, in the middle of city of the city. <laughs> yeah. I'm <Go laughs> I live hospital. in city. I went yes. to university. I, I live maybe 12 blocks from downtown. Uh, however, I do have a wood stove. And when I want heat in my house, I do have to go outside with a large bin, uh, fill the bin with firewood. If I need kindling, I have to grab the mall, uh, the splitting mall or the hatchet and chop up the kindling. And then I carry it all inside in a big plastic bin. I carry it up the stairs and then I get down in front of the wood stove and I have to go in and take a match to kindling and newspaper. Yeah, that happens. And how long does like a load last? And how do you adjust if it's too hot? Obviously you can't grab wood from it. They're just like 
uh, you like, there's an airflow thing or something to keep, you know, cool it down a little bit or is it uh, all just, well, we have, we have a, a ceiling fan and a large box fan that move air around when, when the, that we turn on, when the stove is going, uh, it tends to be loud. So I don't turn it on while we're podcasting. Uh, how long, let's see, uh, a load of firewood. Uh, so the bin carries maybe 50 pounds of firewood, but if I overload it, I can probably get 80 in. Um, and uh, a 50 pound load of firewood will last three hours, four. Damn. So, so a full, like if I need to heat the house for a full evening, I usually have to carry about a hundred pounds of firewood. You must be buff. Uh, well, uh, I mean, I'm male. <laughs> Are you, do you identify as male though? I, guess I, I have already. some very strong muscles underneath this protective layer of fat. I'll have you know. You are. You're the Grizzly Adams of Grumpy Old Ben's. There's no doubt about it. So hopefully everybody listening to the show, the recorded version, hopefully our new friends at Squadcast, hopefully this new system worked. If you've noticed the audio is better, worse, or anything like that, feel free to let us know. You can reach out to us at Darren or Ryan, D-A-R-R-E-N or R-Y-A-N at GrumpyOldBen's.com. And until next time. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I have central heating. And that really makes a lot more sense why I have the big tire in front of my belly. I guess I need a wood stove to get in shape. And from America's left coast, where if I'm cold or if I need exercise, the solution is the same either way. I'm Ryan Bemrose. <laughs>